It's the TV Talk Machine podcast. I'm Jason Snell. Across the internet from me, your host, chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter, Mr. Tim Goodman. Hi, Tim. Hello, Jason. We're back again. We are. Just the timeliness of this podcast, The uh, lo- just every week, re- relentlessly, until next week, which we're going to skip. But until then. <laughs> until then. It's super timely. Yes, but we're going to miss a lot of tra- travel. You know, travel happens uh, starting to get into the, the travel er- period of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going somewhere. I think you're going somewhere. It's a thing that's going on. So we're just going to, we're doing this one and then we'll be gone next week and then we'll be back after that. So don't be shocked next week, everybody. When there's no podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, unless David Lore like hijacks the Meat podcast Master. or something, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, so. they could get Meat Master Moises. He could. They could just talk about smoked meats the whole time. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm afraid that that would overtake this in popularity. <clears throat> I would yeah. listen to it. I would totally listen to Moises smoke talk about meat smoke talk meat. machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they can't have smoked meat talk machine. That's a no. Okay, right. that's a firm no. A firm firm no. no there. Uh, some big topics to talk about this week. Before we get to it. Um, uh, we should at least mention Master of None is coming. You haven't seen it yet, but it's coming onto Netflix shortly. So people should uh, check that out in the next couple of weeks. Loved the first season, and it's it's coming back. But you haven't had a chance to look at the screeners yet. So. No, loved the first season. Planned <clears throat> planned all my viewing around uh, last night, and then found out that um, for some glitch in the system, uh, Netflix didn't have me signed up for stuff. So I sent them a mid, you know like a midnight letter and that guy i got him today but i haven't had time to watch but right. yes a series i do love technical difficulties mm-hmm. i was going to mention that i i i saw um we started into season three of catastrophe oh yeah i finished which, it mm-hmm. yeah which i i find uh i like i find delightful i i went into it i think maybe with a little bit of a almost like a sitcom expectation which is totally not fair and yet it's 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 playing in the back of your mind that there's these, you know, these misunderstandings and these issues going on with their relationship. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking in my head, but logically there's this and that and this. And what I loved about it is all of those things are actually addressed yeah. in, in, in the show. You're not left with sort of like, why are these people behaving this way when they're behaving stupidly? It's for reasons and they know they're behaving stupidly. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's back. So me too. I I finished it, um, and not a surprise to you. Um, I loved it, but my first thing I think was like, "Oh, guys, come on, more episodes." Now please. wait, wait a year for more. <laughs> yeah, wait a they year. should really be doing ten episode seasons. I'm I'm sorry, but they should be. Yeah, I saw somebody saying. Uh, I don't think this was a letter that we got, so I'll, I'll I'll say it now, which is the idea of like, well, maybe that's that's what they're comfortable with doing in terms of quality is six, and that if they did ten, they wouldn't be as good. I don't know if I believe Maybe, that. Maybe, but it all, every every season ends on a scene that's picked up basically the next season, and so so it's it's almost like a, a pause in um <clears throat> in an ongoing story that kind of needs to be finished. So I always feel like you know they pick up right there, and so the writing must have taken them there uh, as far as where the story was going so that they, they didn't have to dream up a new plot line or anything. So I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe that's just me, but yeah. more episodes, isn't it? more, more episodes. We said the same thing about game of Thrones, by the way. So yes, for more episodes, way, but yes, <laughs> still more, give us more of the things we like. Um, so, so yeah, so the big thing, so last week we had a, a letter from somebody asking about A&E, I think it was a Facebook post about A&E 
getting out of the scripted game. And I think you demurred a little bit there, like, well, you know, it's it, stuff like that happens. It's not necessarily a sign. But now it is becoming a trend <laughs> because Sinclair is buying WGN America as part of its purchase of Tribune. And one of the things that WGN America did this past week is cancel Outsiders. By the way, it's highest rated <laughs> scripted series. Right. Uh, which apparently Sony, which produces it, will now shop to other networks, even though, you know, they they built it for WGN America. Um, they're like, hey, this was highly rated. Why? So um, it is a sign that perhaps, I think they didn't say that they would abandon scripted entirely, but it was very mealy mouth, like seeking new directions to reach audiences, blah, blah, blah. And as it stands now, I think they've got like one pilot in the works that's scripted that they may or may not pick up. And I think they have one scripted series that has not yet been canceled, but... Uh, it looks like the writing's on the wall, and and I guess that leads to the question: like, are we at a trend now of of uh, some of these cable channels in peak TV era deciding, man, maybe not, maybe maybe this isn't a game we want to play? Uh, definitely, and and the thing with W uh, with WGN um, and Tribune is, uh, yeah, they were canceling those shows to make it more desirable for Sinclair. Um, I would just say that a couple things have changed, moved slightly. I think it's pretty clear that they're not going to um, be doing any more scripted, uh, which means that Underground, which is also is, is more of a cult show, but it's still very popular and it's critically acclaimed, that is very, very unlikely to get picked up. And um, I mean, the comments from the new guy at Sinclair were very, very ominous. It was like, oh, we looked at the cost of making these shows that are not getting ratings that, you know, we like. <laughs> and that's a no-go. So, yeah, they're pretty much out. Of, they're going to be out of the scripted game. Um, and then as a side note, just sadly, Sony uh, admitted, I think, yesterday late yesterday i can't remember what time everything's all these news is this news is like merging together but they um say they cannot find a a buyer for outsiders so Uh. outsiders will be two seasons and done it was very quirky it was its own thing it was it's you know yeah so but uh, but going back to your question and the question that was posed last week i think we have definitely seen a trend now um a couple of other things that Leslie Goldberg uh, from THR, she's just amazing, and she keeps track of, she keeps track of cable stuff going way, way back. And that's her job. So she's she's got to see these, uh, she's got to know like what's in the pipeline, what how it shifts along the pipeline. And I'm the kind of person who just like, as, as I've said many times here on TV Talk Machine, tell me about it when it lands on my desk as a dvd and now these days tell me when they send me the screener link um but she's there to follow when things are happening in and out of the pilot development process where the stars are added or it gets delayed or there's a new showrunner and all that stuff and um so her little secret list which uh i was allowed to look at and give a little insight i mean it really kind of indicates jason that what i would call the mid-level uh content providers are have either given up on or are seem to be you know cutting back a little bit on their pilots and i think that's a very like a first generation kind of look at what could be happening that's like volume one of what could be happening in six months from now and maybe they say you know what we held on to this one and we're not going to do it um so that that's another early indicator that people in the middle are are going to be stuck. I'm not talking about right now. I don't think there's going to be next week another WG in America situation and A&E situation. 
where they both essentially banned and scripted. But I don't think we're too far away from that. But in this window, and this is why in my column that's about to go up today, uh, or people will be able to find it on THR.com, is that the, uh, it's not a bubble bursting. It's the bubbles like leaking out, sadly, mm. is basically what I said. It's like a sad balloon <laughs> letting all the air out of it. And I think in the next year to two, we'll see much, much more of this, I'm sure, and talking about it now. Uh, but yeah, I think that these two things are an indication of where things are going. I think maybe a little hesitancy to green light more projects or, you know, uh, as if you track someone like Leslie, who's, who's been following these things in the pipeline, if you, if things look like they're running out of gas deep in the pipeline, that's a sign that like someone along the line has said, you know what, we're going to put the brakes on that one. And you know, we we announced it. That doesn't mean we cast it. That doesn't mean there's a showrunner. And that's the kind of sign that says we're going to hold off because we don't know what's coming in the next year. And I think there's we're going to see a little bit more of that going on. Where we're, um, you know, I think channels in the middle, which which I I sort of described as like, you know, Bravo, History, Lifetime, E, MTV. Uh, those those ones are you know they're kind of like not sure where they're they're kind of putting the brakes on things uh and then there's some outliers like freeform and own where they're going to have to make a decision pretty soon about do they expand or do they contract and i think that they're kind of like a runner in baseball that's sort of halfway between first and second and there's a fly in the outfield they're just waiting to see like do I test the gun and go to second base and get thrown out and I, my company's broke or do I run back safely and we don't make any more shows? So I think that's that's where those guys are. But uh, yeah, I think it's happening and we can talk in a minute. The, the latter part of my, uh, my column gets a little bit more complicated because it's trying to take in other factors. Yeah, it it's it's funny the the I'm not sure the economics ever really made sense. I think it was more like a gamble of we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to lose money on this in order to be noticed because otherwise nobody's going to know that we're here. Mm-hmm. And and you know the other perspective of that is to look at it and say no, let's not lose money. Right. It's kind of like what AMC did, right? With Mad Men. Mm-hmm. And then and then they got a very fortuitous break with uh, Breaking Bad. Um and then all of a sudden you're on the map. Yeah, exactly. And then you're established, but not everybody's gonna gonna have their bets hit like that, right? I mean, they 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 really did a a, a good, but you know what you do, I would argue, is that you know you have a um you know you have like a doorbuster sale, and you get people in to see that what what else you've got in there, and mm. I think Mad Men was that beginning of that. I think they got very lucky with Breaking Bad, um, because you know FX didn't want to develop it further, but they also. You start bringing better creators to your uh, to your like your home, like your base. If you can, if you can show them that you're going to be patient with shows and you're in the game for like high quality programming, that's how you get like. I mean, you know, we joke now that maybe um, The Walking Dead isn't such high quality programming, but that's how you get a Walking Dead into your office, and that's how you get some of the things where AMC. Uh, uh, brings in better players. This is what happened at FX as well. It just takes time, right. and if you're you have, if you have a quick commitment to high quality, uh, people will come, and then you have a brand, and then you build the brand, and then maybe you get a prestige hit, or even just a hit like The Walking Dead, which is the biggest of all hits. So what? Where? Where is this going from here? What's the? What's uh? What? What are we? What's? What happens next here? 
Well, <clears throat> I, I'll be interested to see if you agree with this this theory. Um, see, I, I, I've written a couple of things that have sort of touched on um, this theory that I have of where television is right now. And, you know, they, bits and pieces of it have appeared in like how, you know, people are cutting the cord and there's too many shows. And somewhere in all of that, I've sort of like been developing a theory about like what's going to happen. And then time plays out and we see news like this happen. So my feeling is that it, <clears throat> what's hurting television right now is a number of things are really coming together. And, and honestly, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I just don't think a lot of people actually in the industry believe this is happening. And I say that because I've talked to them about it and they're like, no, no, we're going to, no, we'll be good. We'll, we'll, people will do this or people will do that. I think there's trends that are showing that people are not doing what they, what these people are say they're, they're doing. But anyway, what's happening, Jason, I think these strands are coming together. You, you definitely have too much content. We've talked about this constantly. Um, Peak TV, Platinum Age, et cetera, all these channels. This is exactly what we're talking about. But what happens when you have too much great content is that then you then you have a lack of urgency and if there's mm-hmm. a lack of urgency in your industry then all, all kinds of things are going to start going wrong when that happens because we everybody's kind of drowning in it and then we joke we every single week on this podcast about too much shows uh ball of confusion the whole deal and so i i started talking about that where you know that goes into the cord cutter thing where you know, you and I have talked about this. I think people are going to get there. I think, you know, I, I've done some research into it. I know people who have found platforms that they are like, hey, I had a $175 cable bill and now I, I get 40 to 60 channels. I get local sports and I get HBO and and Netflix on the side and my cable bill is like $75. So that is a huge deal. Once people get to that point and they're getting get there at some point, it's just slow going. That's a game changer, but that's already begun. That's not, you know, that's the thing I think that people don't realize sometimes that that's people are already getting there. And then the other thing that's happening, you know, you're a tech guy, you know, all the trends in advance. We're, we're, you know, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the coast and maybe we're early adopters. People who listen to this podcast are probably early adopters. Sure. So the idea of streaming content is like such old news to us, right? Like, how you do it and like how you do it on your device, on your tablet, on your phone, how you get it from your computer to your television. But what I'm trying to say is we lose touch. The industry loses touch because we're in this bubble, like kind of like you and I are in this bubble. Maybe our listeners, we lose touch with what's happening in, for lack of a better word, middle America or the rest of America. And that is that everybody still has a big TV and they're still buying big TVs and they want to watch their content on that TV. And until you know, millennials or whatever, whatever cliche you want to use until those people are the dominant TV viewers. Uh, and I would say that when they become wealthier and, and older, they might not be watching on their screen, their, their phones anymore. Maybe they'll be watching on shocker, a flat screen. So I, I think that the bulk of the viewers who are not early adopters they're they've been learning how to stream shows and very slowly through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. And now they're comfortable with it. And, you know, th- that group is getting bigger and bigger. And they're getting more comfortable with streaming shows rather than like searching it out. And, w- and my my theory, it's a little bit complicated, but what my theory is, is that 
those people who are late adopters but are now getting into this 2017, they're into streaming, they've learned that through Netflix and Hulu and and Amazon, maybe to a lesser extent because it's more expensive. But those people, once they're comfortable with this technology, which you and I and everybody else has been comfortable with for several years now, uh, they're going to say, yeah, I'm really good at this streaming thing. And I learned how to do it at Netflix where all of my content is and I don't have to worry about anything else. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do Netflix or I'm just yeah. going to do Hulu and Netflix. And then those people who are late adopters are also the ones who are going to catch up to the cord cutting. So I'm I'm trying to look farther down the line, like, what does this mean? And I think FX is going to stay standing. HBO is going to stay standing. Some of the really strong ones. But those ones in the middle that we talked about, like, wow, sure. I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Bravo history, you know, lifetime. I don't know if those guys are going to be in the the scripted business anymore because people will not go to their channels to find the stuff. There won't be an audience for it. And I think that only the strong are going to survive in the future because people will not be going to the source so much, meaning uh, HBO or FX. They'll just be saying, Oh, I'm so far behind and all these amazing television shows. It'll take me 10 years to catch up. So I'm just going to stick at Netflix and Netflix is going to get all those shows. Anyway, that's the theory people are working on. I don't know if that's entirely true, but right now it's one of the revenue streams that keeps people like HBO and FX solvent, right? They're selling their shows to, to uh, all these streamers. Well, if you're living in that streamer bubble, why would you not think that this will always continue? So why go, why pay a cable bill? Uh, and if you're not paying a cable bill, then all those other content providers are dead in the future. Very near. Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the, the glut of good content... Um, I've been thinking for a while now, has this weird side effect on cable cutting, which is since in the last 10 years, there's been this massive amount of good content. What it means is that you're less desperate for, unless you want to see a very specific show, which I think goes back to another trend, which is finding, as you've talked about for networks, I think it maybe works for everybody, is finding branded properties, things that become become must-sees where you have to sign up for their service because it's the only place you can see it and everybody's talking about it. But otherwise, like one or two of these streaming services will have a catalog so large that uh, of stuff you haven't seen because there's been such a glut. It's not that there, there isn't... Um, it's not like too much TV is a bad thing in the sense that uh, you know everybody wants to find something different and it's great. It's a, it's a great selection, but in the end, there's so much of it that it makes it less necessary to you know or essential to have all the programming sources. Mm-hmm. You just you don't you just don't need them because you know to your point, having just uh, Amazon and Netflix or Netflix and Hulu or uh, Netflix and HBO is probably enough to keep you watching uh, TV a couple hours a day every day for uh years mm-hmm. yeah. and and when you and when you feel like you've exhausted one you drop it and you pick up another one but in the end you know that's why i keep thinking that that the the final version of this is that there will be a collection what six eight of these 15 dollars a month services and mm-hmm. it'll be you know netflix and amazon and hulu but it'll also be hbo and you know maybe there'll be an fx version of that a fo- or a fox version of that and a disney version of that and that's where the shows will be and then you then you're just triaging what what you want to put your 10 or 15 dollars a month toward but right. the rest and, of them are going to fall out 
Yeah, and I think it's gonna it's it, it's all woven together. It's complicated. It's all woven together. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of things. What happens when people read stories like this, or when I talk to people in the industry, and they're like, "Oh, we're not there yet." My feeling is like, "No, we're not there yet, but we're gonna be there. It's well, gonna happen." And the and the um, I, I think we talked about it on this show a few times. I, I talked about it on some other podcasts. I think people. Uh, who want to be in denial have some numbers that they can use to stay in denial. Mm -hmm. And it's because cable companies, the, you know, your, your Comcast of the world have tried very hard up to now to keep their numbers up by bundling services together. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it is, it is actually not uh, like, like I have a landline through Comcast because it's cheaper than to not have it, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And and you could argue that a lot of these cord cutter numbers would be way higher if the cable companies didn't make it exorbitantly expensive to drop TV. If you go to a cable only package, you lose all of these discounts of the bundle, and then they crank that up because they really want to pay you one way or another. And so you might as well keep TV. If that wasn't the case, and it was legitimately cheaper to just dump TV and keep uh, internet. Um, imagine how huge those cable, uh, those cord cutter numbers would be. So people are on, so, some of this is an artificial retention strategy. And the moment that Comcast decides that they don't care about that anymore, they don't want to provide the incentive to keep people on traditional TV because they know they're going to get their money anyway from the internet and all Comcast and all of its ilk, um, then the cord cutter numbers are going to explode. Um, but you you can see that that's the case now if you want to. But if you want to be, remain in denial, you can you can pretend for a while. Although even there, we, when you see what's going on with Disney and ESPN's numbers, the the denial is is beginning to uh, crumble because there's just it's already uh, the beginnings of I think an avalanche. Yeah, and that's and it's it's such early days, but um, you're you're really hit it on the head because if you go back to Anything that I've ever said in my whole career about learning about television, it's that it's a fear-based industry, um, and they're going to be in denial until the end because it's their their job depends on it, and it and it is as we've said, dinosaur ship. You can't turn it around overnight. So people who people who are in currently in jobs where they have some power but they don't own the company, um, they're not going to turn the dinosaur ship around in on their watch. They're going to like ride it out until it can't be ridden out anymore, and that's yeah. that's just the nature of the business. And uh, yeah, so so down the road, future wise, it's it is it is kind of complicated. But um, yeah, as you say, you know, well, I think of, I don't know, two or three podcasts ago, you probably had the scariest, you probably had the scariest revelation was that everybody when we get to that cord, when everybody gets savvy about cord cutting, and it's like, yeah, yeah, cable companies, you're dead, and then everyone we're all doing this other stuff. Um, that's when the internet providers crank up how much how much you can your bandwidth that you're paying for and your prices and all of a sudden you're back to where you were. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. they want to get the, if they, if they don't have TV people uh, funding their infrastructure, then they'll have the internet people do it. And if all your entertainment comes through the internet, guess what? They're going to charge you for that. And they're going to um, put a bandwidth cap yeah. in place and then make you pay for, for and, and this is where, um, Net neutrality comes in, which is super boring, but think of it this way. This is the one example I wanted to give of net neutrality, which is if 
you are at a point where Comcast is going to charge you based on the bandwidth you use, which means that if you're streaming 4K video on Amazon or Netflix <laughs> uh, a couple hours a night for an, a whole month, you are over the limit. So you're going to have to pay them more in order to get more data on your mm-hmm. plan. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix or uh, uh, then Comcast your, or whoever your provider is offers their own streaming entertainment service that they've built that's kind of like Netflix or kind of like it bundles a bunch of stuff together maybe. Um, and guess what? They say to you, you pay us for this and it doesn't count against your internet bandwidth because mm-hmm. that's what net neutrality allows them to do is zero out this stuff or it lets them make deals with Netflix uh, that where they get a cut and so the Netflix stuff doesn't count. There are lots, or or they or they count it, but they rate it down so that you can't get a 4K stream from some of them unless you pay them. There are so many different ways that they can mess with the internet, and they've only begun to experiment with that now. And the le- the uh, the less regulation there is, there you could argue the more that kind of stuff will happen. But in the end, I've said it on this show many times. Uh, they want their money. The TV people want their money. The cable companies want their money. And they're going to get their money. until. Uh, and they don't have competition in many markets. It's just going to be whatever. You're going to have to pay them what they want you to pay them. And and the, the moment that TV becomes not viable, they will just charge you a lot for your internet. Yeah. Bottom line. So what you're saying basically is that we are all going to be reading a lot of books soon. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. It could so be. the hottest bring take back, of all right now is bring back books the DVDs, yeah. <laughs> bring back Blu-rays. Back. <laughs> Just get invest in Blu-rays. That's what I say. Optical discs <laughs> in the future. Twenty seventeen hot take books. In yeah, the future, it, books will be huge. Bottom line, if you want original scripted programming, several hours of it a night in order to entertain you, you're going to pay for it. You're mm. going to pay for it. You're going to find one way or another, you're going to pay for it. It doesn't It doesn't come free. You're either going to pay for it and, and uh, get it through the internet or pay for it on TV, or you're going to sit there and be forced to watch commercials again, and you'll pay for it with your sanity because you'll have to watch commercials. But one way or another, they're going to find a way to make you pay for your hours of entertainment because that's how it works so there's no there's no escape hatch here yes this upbeat part of tv talk machine <laughs> has been brought to you by your wallet is empty yeah what's in your exactly wallet right. nothing 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 is in there <laughs> just tune in to us here on the sad balloon podcast <laughs> yeah I, I it's 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 really a, it's really a thing though that's uh i i wonder you know way way back when uh just as an aside way way back when John Landgraf was talking about peak TV. Of course, just the term peak TV got everybody going. And then when he dropped those numbers, I'm not talking like this year, I'm talking two or three years ago. When he dropped the first big numbers and I wrote about it, everybody wrote about it because it was at TCA. In that, in that basically speech that he delivered, the part that everybody ignored was he talked about having seen where he thinks it's going in the end nobody cared at that point because that was like that was a wild guess about what's happening in the future and everybody was like wow there's 300 shows oh my god on a term called ptv but what he said in that uh and has repeated before again still not sexy uh is that it's brands brands will survive so it's the it's like the really really big brands. so hbo fx uh, they're gonna they're gonna last um, because they're gonna have to do they're gonna have to do battle with Netflix, which is totally gonna last, mm-hmm. uh, and Amazon, another deep pocketed company, yep. and Hulu has I think really set themselves up in, 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 not only in a business sense 
and how they've how they've like learned from how they from where they started to where they are now. They've really learned a lot, and I think they're a little bit more nimble. And then they get something like Handmaid's Tale uh, that everybody's ha- talking about, which goes above and beyond all the other really good shows they've have on their uh, channel. But for Buzz, potential Handmaid's Tale really is it. Yeah, uh, and it was just renewed for a second season. So. <clears throat> and and they and they think many seasons down the line. So like they're now. I've always thought they were a player. They're a serious player, but they're they're so well situated for the future because they have that combination of stuff you missed last night and stuff you that we have our we created ourselves. Um, it's, it's really good position. So those three brands, the streaming brands, are completely going to stay there. And then which of the really big cable brands can live this out? That's that's the future of cable. Everything else. Like we talking today about these, you know, A&E and all the stuff. It doesn't mean that they're going to completely go away. Some of them will. We talk about like Clue and all those ones that are dead yeah. now. But they they can't survive it uh, financially. So they'll they'll just – what they can do is they can make cheaper reality programs. So we're going back to that. So definitely A&E is already going all reality. And I think you're going to see WGN America, which was never a huge player anyway, going back to something – entirely different um and maybe not even just reality program but they're going to be getting into some right-wing news and all that stuff so yeah <clears throat> um the the fallout is far uh and wide and, and will be but it basically my column is like yeah it's already started that's that's the point already started mm-hmm. all right want to do a few letters before we sign let's, off for two weeks mm-hmm. okay um ed from the 502 writes in uh, with some more information about Line of Duty, which is the show we're supposed to watch. Oh, yeah, that's very uh-huh. good. That's our Since it's on ITV and the Plus 4-4, and it's on Hulu. Um, I checked. I think three seasons are on Hulu. Two seasons are on Acorn. There's a fourth season, and it seems to be nowhere in the U.S. right now. Hmm. Um, uh, Ed in the 502 says he watches it by magical means. So there you go. It fell <laughs> off the back of a truck from the U.K., yes. I'm all sure. Of, all of my uh, students at, at CCA watch it the same way. Yeah, how about that? So anyway, that's thank you, Ed, for the more details about Line of Duty. I added it to my Hulu uh, watch list. That's what I did. Uh, Adam, formerly of the Plus 4-4, but for the last 30 years in the Plus 5-5. That's Brazil. Wow. This is okay. Adam, Adam in Rio. Uh, Adam says, the current season of The Leftovers deserves a lot of love. The step up from the first season is immense. I have to say I didn't see it going to a third season, but I'm really glad it did. Episode three with Scott Glenn going on his own has to be up there come awards season. So just more love for the last season of The Leftovers. Mm -hmm. Which we're all fans of, but I'm behind on, sadly. Well, you got got time. (laughs) I'm going to put it on my list. (laughs) Put it on the list. Time. Put it on the list. All right. Here's Stephanie from the 502. Says uh, 502. Yeah. Your recent conversation about cutting the cable cord and choosing different streaming services got me wondering what you think of Crackle. I've used it to watch comedians in cars getting coffee. I've noticed the Sony owned service is producing its own content. Any thoughts on its viability or strength of original programming? There's lots of advertising and it's cumbersome to watch through the ad breaks. Uh, What do you think of Crackle, Tim? Uh, is it going to be sound mean that I'm like a, not a big Crackle fan? Mm. Uh, I kind of have a running joke with somebody who uh, does publicity uh, on the side for them um, because they're desperately always trying to get me to write about Crackle. And I'm like, uh, but it's Crackle. It's a candy bar. Mm. Yeah, it <laughs> or, is a candy bar. Or a log for your fire. Um, but now I, you know, I thought comedians and cars to coffee was great. They got an Emmy nomination this year. Um, but then they now, I guess, basically cease to own any of that stuff anymore. Um, 
it's just it's not a place that I go to to experience things. I, you know, you and I have talked about this before. It's like when do you become like the crackle guy, and yeah. when do you become the the epics watcher and subscriber? Right. Sadly. Like, when does that happen? When when do you run into somebody and say, oh, Jay, you had a party and they're like, Jason, man, I got to tell you, I have been watching every show and every movie on Epics and it is amazing. <laughs> you just never, you just never hear that ever, you know? Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know about their long-term viability. Crackle strikes me as being a big media conglomerate's attempt to embrace web video which is not the same as a streaming service. It's like Sony was like, oh yeah, video on the web. People watch things in their web browser. Let's do that. And I know it's not that anymore, but that's always how I've kind of labeled it. And, you know, this is the challenge, right? I mean, what is Crackle? That, that's the, I, the advantage of something like Acorn or BritBox is that it has a, a, a or something like Crunchyroll that does anime is that they're they're pay their subscription video services with a point of view and a personality and you're like oh I actually the stuff that they're that they've got in their catalog is the stuff I love I'm going to pay for that right. Crackle is like a smattering of like Sony owns it or could license it for cheap or something it's just not what's its personality it's like a it, it feels more like the dollar store right and it's just like why would I do that? Right, and they don't, and they clearly don't have that much money because, um, I mean, they would have bought, they would have taken on Outsiders, which is a Sony product. Right. So obviously, Sony can't do it on their own, and they can't, you know, Crackle has made um, shows. They've actually got into, they've made a foray into scripted and all that stuff. But like I, that stuff's not never going to last. But I don't right. want to be, pick on them and be harsh. It's just like that's not my choice. With all these other options that we have. And that we that we constantly talk about. I'm, you're not going to have me say, "Oh, let me jump off of my television right now and go to my computer and watch Crackle." No, not happening. Yeah. All right. This is a weird letter um, because I think I, I think I was completely misunderstood here. But uh, let me let's get into it. This is from Zvi who says, I agree with you that Legion was a great show, more about its style and structure than the plot. That was really satisfactory. I was put off by Jason's emphasis that it was not a superhero show, with the implication that the superhero genre is bad. There's a way for a critic to say this is not the kind of thing I like, or even I've seen too much of this kind of thing, so I'm not interested in more, without saying this kind of thing is a cheap, shoddy kind of thing, and you didn't make the distinction successfully, even to someone who felt pretty sh- sure she knew what you meant to say. This is weird, because that's not what I said. And that's not how I feel. I watch lots of superhero TV. My whole point in saying the Legion is not a superhero show is to say for people who aren't interested in superhero shows, they should still think about watching Legion because there are people out there who don't aren't interested in the superhero genre. And I don't feel like this really plays like a superhero show. I feel like it plays like a very different kind of show. There are fantasy elements in it, but it's not anything that you would think of when you think of superhero entertainment. And that was my, uh, you know, I, I not only do I watch superhero shows and like them, (laughs) you know, which I do, but, uh, I love Legion and I don't think it's that. I think it's something different. So I'm sorry that you took that away to me, but that was not, that was not my intent. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I didn't say that because it's just not, that's not what it is. It's something different. I, I, uh, it may yet turn into something more superhero-y, but my point was just to say, if you're somebody who would never be caught dead watching Luke Cage or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, or Gotham, because you're you're like, oh, comic book superheroes, I don't want to see those, I, I like other stuff. Um, this was my way of saying, trying to coax them into Legion and say, 
it's it's not that it's something different and that doesn't yeah. mean that those things are bad it just means that legion feels like it is a different kind of show yeah and i think uh, there might have been something where there was um a, sort of an amalgamation of things you were saying and i were saying that's kind of what it sounded like to me that because you know i'm not a big superhero fan and i i feel like it doesn't play as a superhero show so yeah. maybe me talking about it. it's not a superhero show it's about a show from inside someone's mind that could have been part but it's, of it. it's just totally i mean i've seen i think i've seen all the superhero shows at this point or mm-hmm. very close to it i don't think i ever saw powers because it was on like playstation network or something but i've seen i've seen most of the superhero shows now and i read uh, you know i've been reading comics since i was six years old i'm pretty aware of the genre there are ones i like there are ones i don't like legion is interesting because it's not it's really not in that genre even though it's got the source material there are some other shows that may that that are coming out that are based on comics uh, superhero comics properties that may also feel that way but uh you know that are that are coming down the road including fox has got a, a mutant based show that they're that they're uh or they ordered a series um and they that, those may feel different too but i suspect given some of the characters that are in them that they will still have a superhero feel to them that legion just doesn't i mean if you would never if no one knew that it was based on comics i don't think anyone would look at it and say it was a superhero show it's just a it, they might say it's a, a sci-fi show or a fantasy show or a supernatural kind of show but um and that's, you know, yeah, it's shorthand. Every show is different, but I feel like there are some fairly strong genres and that Legion falls outside it. Yes. That's the short version of it. doesn't mean that those genres aren't good. It's just that I'm, I'm more interested in trying to coax people into watching a show that they might otherwise assign to a genre they don't like or think they don't like and then miss out on a great show. That was, that was the point. Not trying to shame anybody, trying to coax people into watching a show they might not otherwise give a chance to. Very well done, Jason. Very well done. So there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last letter. Okay. Philip, in the RG7 zone of the plus four four, a little postal UK postal code action there. Wow. I don't. I don't even follow that. I don't know R- where the RG7 is. RG7 uh, postcode UK. Let's see what it says. It says Reading. Okay. Reading, like Reading, California. <laughs> Reading, England. It's spelled reading, but it's, oh, it's that's funny. where uh, Ricky Gervais is from. Ah, Redding. that's where Ricky Gervais is from. I, somebody who I'll be talking to very soon. There you go. That's right. Exactly oh. right. Mm-hmm. Which is which is a reason why we will not have a show next week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so Philip says, I found over the last few months as I try to start a new show, I have to confirm with Martha, my wife from the 206, that it complements any other shows we're watching. This is subject to a categorization I don't fully understand, but we couldn't be watching Mr. Robot at the same time as humans or love at the same time as catastrophe or casual and definitely never the man in the high castle at the same time as SSGB. As for every group of dramas, we have to try to try to have a comedy of some kind at hand in case a drama has a particularly tense episode. When shows are weekly, like designated survivor or this is us both of which we're still persisting with this is less of an issue but with binge shows i'm having to learn how to be a scheduler with fairly with a fairly demanding audience of martha (laughs) just wondering if you have any rules on scheduling for yourselves apologies if this has come up already um i I can't listen to the most recent episode because i haven't finished legion yet fair enough philip fair enough but um I, i i feel what philip's saying here i i I I feel I feel like I need to download an app now and there are these things and start start like planning a TV viewing list like in more detail because there's so much now that I just lose track of stuff and think like oh yeah I should get back to 
you know, just this streaming series that I watched four episodes of and liked and then just kind of forgot about. That happens all the time. Plus, there's what are you in the mood for and mm-hmm. you don't want to lose momentum on series. And uh, if I'm being honest, I actually think that this is one of the biggest problems with the streaming universe that we that exists right now is that nobody, you know, it's it's kind of this amorphous blob of content and it's harder to uh, to, to program it for yourself. It was easier when they programmed it for you. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think? That, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's I mean, you don't another... have to schedule because you've got deadlines, so you have to watch shows because they're on, right? So you right. don't have to do as much programming as somebody like me who doesn't do this for a living, other than to talk to you. Um, I, I, and I, I have an issue even with my TiVo, which lets me at least like bookmark the streaming shows. It's like I'll just forget that a show is on. Like Catastrophe, I left a big chunk of season two just sit there for ages mm-hmm. because we just kind of got away from it and f- then kind of forgot it was there until we heard it was coming back. I mean, like, Oh, we didn't even finish season two. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I know like TiVo had tried to do this. Apple has tried to do this with their new TV app on the Apple TV, but they don't have buy-in from a lot of the video providers. This is an ongoing thing where I, I think somebody, people are trying to do a layer on top of all the streaming services that let you manage your viewing. The problem is if you're Netflix, you want people living in the Netflix universe. You don't want to participate in some sort of like higher level thing that's providing options that aren't Netflix because you just want people inside Netflix. So the other services kind of don't want to play together, but there's definitely a consumer need because it's super frustrating. I think things like Fan TV will actually let you do this where you can add a bunch of shows that you watch and kind of like check them off as you watch them. But um, there, there's there's more that needs to be done here, I think, because the burden ends up being on people like Philip and me to do the programming for their family, and it's um, it's uh, it can be frustrating. Well, I I love the idea of checking things off because I will sort of embarrassingly admit that um, a relatively new phenomenon for me, which I've discovered to my horror sometimes, is that I'm sure <laughs> I finished. A season, uh, you know, these are not the ones that like are gonna, you know, take top my top ten year end picks, obviously. But like, I'm sure I finished it. And then you go back, you go back, like the next season starts, and you're like, well, let me just, you know, get myself ready. Uh, and then you're like, what, what? Or all of their like previously on, and you're like, well, I, who is that? <laughs> you know, it's like, and then you, because sometimes you forget things, but I've gone, but like, you know, maybe a character was introduced or there was a plot twist that you don't quite remember. But boy, I've gone back and said, oh, I think the problem here is I didn't watch the final three episodes of this <laughs> like, minor show. <laughs> and, and that's come up more recently, uh, not still not, you know, a big thing, but more than I would like where I was like, I, I think I'm seeing a trend here. Like one was a mistake and then uh, two or three times I'm like, oh, I never thought I finished that. But uh, I guess I didn't. And if I want to go on, I better wrap up these last two or, you know, if it's a half hour show, you can kind of bang it out real quickly. But, yeah, you put these off and you keep – that's what I do. I keep restarting things. You put them off and eventually you're going to forget. So checking off a list would be nice. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe someday somebody will help us out with that one. Make an app. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. Well, and I, I'm sure all the box makers, right? All, they all want to do this. Mm-hmm. Apple TV and Roku and and Amazon, of course. Uh, but will it will it work? There's a lot to to be worked out there. All right, so we're going to be gone next week. Don't come li- looking for an episode. We're not going to be here, but uh, we'll be back on uh, May 26th. Mm-hmm. May 27th in Australia. <laughs> Drop air time. <laughs> <laughs>
Got bears. Uh, but until then, so Tim, have a good trip uh, to New York and a good uh, chat with Ricky Gervais. Thank you very much, and uh, we will we'll get back at it. I'm sure when we come back, another channel will have gone out of business, but yes. we'll, we'll address that then. Which dinosaur ship will be the next one to stop? <laughs> but until then, uh, here's how you reach us. Podcast at tvtalkmachine.com to send us an email. You can tweet at us at TVTM. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tvtalkmachine. Those are the best ways. In order, honestly. Email is great. Tweets are great as long as they're short and fit in a tweet. And then Facebook is good. It's a little hard to find, but it's there. So uh, thanks, everybody out there, for listening to the TV Talk Machine. Tim? See you in two weeks. All righty.